hello. This is Kim Addis from Frame of Mind Coaching, and you have just joined us for the Frame of Mind Coaching Podcast. Today, my guest is Frank Furbacher, a Frame of Mind seasoned coach. Frank, welcome. Thank you very much, Kim. Pleasure to be back. So this is round two for us. I'm really excited to have you. I always love talking to you. I think our conversations are fantastic. You've been coaching lately and some interesting things have been popping up. Maybe we can start there. What's been going on? Uh, it seems like there's a bit of a theme going on with uh, your clients and I'd love to talk about that. Yeah. So leadership and everything that goes with it, right? So I think the biggest thing that we've talked about is... Um, and this is, you know, just from a general sense, something we see all the time, right? So the idea that uh, I don't want to take action or, or I'm not able to take action because of my fear of what may occur uh, if I do something in whatever manner it may be, right? Whether it's in my business, uh, whether it's different relationships with employees, but uh, there's a fear of failure there and it keeps certain leaders from moving forward and it keeps a lot of people from moving forward. So that's, that's been one of the big themes. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, on a professional level, uh, it's hard to fail because it's such a public thing, right? Failing seems to feel like a very public, public experience. And for whatever reason, failure is attached to a lot of shame and embarrassment and discomfort. I mean, for me personally, you know, I was married once I got divorced. And I was really uncomfortable or not so confident about moving forward in a second marriage because I thought, hey, I failed the first time. How do I know I'm going to succeed the second time? Like, I thought I was doing the right thing the first time. Like, what makes me know this time, right? And so, you know, past failures is a whole other issue where if you failed in the past, it somehow erodes your self-confidence. It somehow, like, undermines your your feelings of security, self-confidence, ability to move forward. And so there's two, there's two things at play, right? One where you've never failed and you're afraid to fail and you're fearing the kind of the public repercussion of that failure. And the second thing where you failed in the past and then you're just unsure about whether or not you could ever make a right mistake, a, a right decision, or if the next move will correct your past mistakes. Right. Um, and I, you know, I felt the same way years ago, right? When I was going through my breakup, I was like, well, if I do this, then that means this was a failed thing in my life, right? And that kind of keeps people staying together sometimes because they're afraid of the repercussions of, well, what does it mean if this doesn't work out? And right. I think I think it also goes to a different point too of, um, you know, like what is a failure, right? So if I had planned this morning to leave the house at 7 a.m., but I didn't wake up until 7.15, is that now a failure for me? Like, where does, where does that lay? And so um, as you and I have discussed multiple times, right, the, the idea of failure is just a matter of how am I perceiving these circumstances that I'm in? Um, and we don't realize that it's up to us to decide and really figure out what a failure is and what it isn't. Um, and I think that's one of the main things that, that we've talked about as well is, well, what, what, who is, who is this that's judging you, right? Based on the outcome that may, that may come about, um, what is good enough for you? What isn't, uh, but also who is it that that's going to ultimately decide if this was a failure or not? Um, and what's the worst that could happen, right? So 
fine. Tell me, tell me what failure looks like. Let's, let's go through that. So it's a very good question. So who determines failure and does failure actually exist, right? Like, so, so failure is a construct. Failure is uh, a, an idea that we assign when we have a certain expectation that doesn't get met. Yeah, it's, it's up to us, right? It's up to us. So it, it's very interesting because, um, you know, it's an interesting topic that I'm dealing with quite a lot right now with my clients as well. But even as I look back on my own life personally, I look back a year ago and I think, okay, here are the things I wanted to achieve. I've achieved some of them, but I haven't achieved all of them. In fact, maybe I've even regressed on some of them. So then I ask myself, hey, have I failed? What's stopping me from achieving this particular goal or what's getting in the way? What's really happening here? Um, is it a commitment issue? Is it an inability? Is it a distraction? Like what's going on, right? And so as we talk about this whole idea of failure, I really want to talk about two things. I want to talk about how people perceive failure and what they can do with it. And the other thing is what prevents people from taking action in order to reach a goal in the first place? What prevent, well, like what's the thing that's really stopping them? What's getting in their way? And there so, could also be one more thing, which is, yeah. I don't even want to set goals because I don't want to have to be even put in that position of, I may not hit them. That's right. So actually let's start with that because this morning I had two young women who were in my office interviewing me and what they do is they do a, an interview ser series on female entrepreneurs and they go across Canada interviewing some pretty interesting people. So it felt really good to be in that, in that company, but they came in and they said, well, so like, you know, what do you think about this whole idea of balance in your life as you're studying and reaching your goals? And so, wow, that was a loaded question because the first part of it was, let's talk about balance and what's that about? And the second part of it was, okay, let's really talk about reaching goals. And so, you know, I really talked about this whole idea of we assign values or we assign value to ourselves with respect to the goals we reach or don't reach. So when we reach a goal, we're a good person. We're successful, we're driven, we're smart, we're capable. And when we don't reach goals, what are the words we use to describe ourselves? Ineffective, uh, lazy, uncommitted, unfocused, all those words. And so what I said to these two young, young ladies was goals are great in terms of getting you excited, ignited, passionate, heading you in a certain direction but it's not the goal itself that's so important. It's not reaching the goal that's so important. It's the process with which you go for the goal that's important. So if that goal causes you to beat yourself up, not so good, right? If the goal causes you to wake up with energy and, and excitement and passion and a plan of action and gets you motivated and inspired, great, fantastic. And so at the end of the day, it's not about the goal. It's about how you exist, how you show up, how you behave, how you be in the process of achieving your goals. And that's really the goal in itself is to live each life with that sense of passion, excitement, drive, ignition, you can say, right? So it's about that. It's about how you exist every single day in the process of achieving your goal rather than achieving the goal itself. Because if every single day you're miserable until you achieve that goal, achieving the goal wasn't such a great achievement after all. Yeah. And I, I've 
kind of taken an approach to that uh, people can certainly overthink goals, right? So, well, how do I know I'm going in the right direction? Well, uh, what if I set a goal and here's my three-year plan, but then a year into it, I figure out that I was going the completely wrong direction. What if that happens, Frank? What am I supposed to do? Um, and the obvious answer, right, is that the more that you figure out that you're, whether it's going in the wrong direction, or the more that you figure out what you don't want, um, the more clarity you get on what you do want. So, so that's one thing, but also I think another, another way of looking at that is, um, you know, looking at the long-term goal, right? So a lot of us say, well, what's a long-term goal? A long-term goal could be, um, you know, where do you want to be in 10 years, 15 years, 30 years, 50 years, whatever it is, but think about things in a very macro sense. And then in terms of your decision-making, it kind of gets down to values too, right? So like that's, that's a large part of where we want to go and whether it's family or health or whatever it is or business, we know what macro way we want to go. So now what are the micro decisions every single day we have to make to get to, that will lead us in that direction, right? So take away the whole one year, two year, five year, two month, four month, what are the decisions I'm making daily every day that get me to that long-term goal? And if you have that in mind as just a very simple construct, it's going to be very difficult for you to go wrong, but also you know that that macro goal is going to change. Your priorities change, your values change. And so if you're able to be very clear on that and have an understanding of that, it makes those short-term decisions much easier and clearer for you to make. Well, it's interesting, right? Because like, if you look at something uh, for us, right? For me, what, one of the things we realized is that um, on a personal level, when I speak, I do a lot of speaking engagements. And so when I speak, people learn about frame of mind coaching and our business grows. Like they become interested and they want to, uh, they want to engage in coaching. And so for me, speaking engagements is a direct method for us to grow this company for us to coach more people, to have a wider reach, and for us to have more impact in the world. So when I speak, that's the result. So what does that mean? You know, if we were to back it up, it means, well, we've got to apply to many, many speaking opportunities. And how many do we need to do? Well, exactly what you're talking about, the big picture is we want X number of speaking engagements. So that means we need to submit X number every single week, and which creates a consistent behavior, right? When we can submit let's call it 10 speaking engagements every week. Think about what that looks like in a year. And now we have something that we can um, forecast and look forward to. So when we have that big picture of what we want and we back it up, we now know the actions we need to take. But there's something else that comes into play. So let's say what I want is, mm, I wanna lose 50 pounds. So I know that every single day I need to take certain actions. I need to drink water, I need to exercise, I need to keep my mental state well in a good place. I need to journal. For me, that's an important component. And I need to basically stay away from the stuff that doesn't align with weight loss. But now, you know what? My birthday's coming up. Or, you know what? I'm going to Orlando and I'm seeing a friend I haven't seen for 30 years. Should we eat? Right? And so mm -hmm. now you're confronted with micro challenges that throw you off course, possibly. So the question is, how do you stay on course when you're injected with things? And those things, like I'm talking about weight loss, but it could be anyone, 
person who's irritated. Like my macro goal could be, I want to live peacefully. I want to have a good view of the world. But I have someone who's irritating me all day long, every day. Right? So how do I deal with that? How do I overcome that? How do I stay on my path? How do I continue my journey and take the daily actions that lead to my macro goal? Yeah, I, I, um, I just had a conversation with my wife recently. We were talking about good days versus bad days. And I was telling her that when I was much younger, like, you know, teenager, even earlier, I used to have this idea that if something bad happened to me, like, for example, if I raised my hand in class and I got an answer wrong and I felt embarrassed about getting it wrong, automatically I would label that day as a bad day in my life. And it would, I wouldn't, this was just consciously in my mind, I was doing this on a regular basis. And if I, during recess, won the game that we were playing that day, I had a good day. And everything in my life was based around this roller coaster ride of did I have a good day or a bad day. And then at some point, um, probably through coaching and through many years of experience, I got to understand that one single thing will not dictate whether or not you had a good day or not, right? So that was something that over time I started to realize and people today will, like I, I know adults who, who honestly believe that, right? So how was your day today? It was terrible because this one thing happened to me because one person said something or one thing didn't go right. And so as you go through and you, you understand and you look at these experiences or something happens to you, um, what I've learned is that it is up to us and up to yourself and no one else can do it for you. It's just, how do you recognize that and pivot from there and say, okay, this happened. I'm going to let it go and I'm going to move forward. If I had a cheat meal and it ruined my diet for the quote unquote week, um, how do you then say, well, that was one meal. My diet is not going to be, um, made or broken off of one single meal or one single day. Nobody gets, you know, nobody gets fat off of one bad day. Nobody gets skinny from, from one day. Right. So it's like, how do you then just be able to have that? I don't even want to call it self-control because it's not even self-control. It's just the, the ideology of one single thing is a speck of dust in the grand scheme of things. Well, what you're saying is don't use that one single thing as your reason to completely go into a downward spiral and mess everything up, right? Mm-hmm. Like that, that's really what you're saying. So it, it's interesting because today was, we were driving to work and we drive on a patch of highway and I was looking at the road and there's like four lanes and I'm thinking to myself, there could be so many accidents on this road, but they don't happen. Like in the grand scheme of driving and, and, and cars on the road, so few accidents happen. Isn't that incredible? Isn't that miraculous? Like everybody's so orderly, especially in Canada, but everybody's <laughs> so orderly. You know, it's actually unbelievable that so few accidents are happening. And, and what I started to, well, I mean, I've been realizing this for years and years and years, but how many things go right in your life that you never pay attention to, right? So many things. You wake up in the morning, the shower's hot. You go downstairs, you turn on the coffee maker. It works. Coffee comes out of the machine and on and on and on and on and on. It's like all, so many things are working and we are so wired to focus on the things that are not. 
It's amazing. But let's go back to the subject of failure because I think it's very important. So how do we help someone who's paralyzed, someone who doesn't want to take action for fear of failure? What do we do? So it in in this it, well in the example that um, I want to give um, in take in a lot of it has to do with awareness, right? So like, what are we afraid of? What's the worst that could happen? So those are some questions to ask. Um, but I think one of the big things when it comes to a fear of failure um, has to do with uh, really like the story that we're telling ourselves about what may happen, right? So how do you know that that whatever it is that you think may happen, um, if things go wrong, how do we know that that's actually going to happen? Um, Is it something that we're telling ourselves or is this a fact-based thing of if I press this button, then this will happen? Um, So that's sort of where I would want to start there. But also, in other words, a lot of times the failure we fear is invented. Like we fear something going terribly, horribly, awfully wrong, but chances are that's not going to happen. Correct. That's a starting point. Okay. Yeah. What if I'm yeah. still paralyzed? Uh, so when I uh, when I'm thinking to myself, right, like I really want to do something or I want a certain outcome, but I'm I'm afraid of what may occur, what may happen. Um, you know, I, I have the tools, right, to be able to say, okay, well, let me check my story. Let me see if this is a story I'm inventing or not. Um, but then it comes down to uh, trying to f- firmly understand and realize, right? So what is holding me back here? Is it just a, a, a sense of I'm afraid of what may occur or am I afraid of something else that's happening here? What's the underlying issue of why uh, I'm having this fear of moving forward? Um, And I think for some people it has to do with the fact that they uh, are either a unsure of what it is that they really want uh, or B they are just deathly afraid of what other people may think of them. And that's a huge, huge thing of, of the perception of what if I don't reach that, right? So we kind of alluded to that before, but uh, in terms of like pushing that person and saying, okay, well, like let's let's move forward. Um, sometimes they may not know, right? They don't know what to do next. And so they, the, one of the things that I will say is, let's try something. Let's do something here rather than staying still. Right. So there are two things that I want to address, and I think it, I think this is a very interesting conversation. One question is, should we, as parents, as leaders, as coaches, push people to take action even if they're really, really paralyzed, even if they're afraid, even if they have incredibly, you know, kind of paralyzing fear? And what I want to say is this, is, is that taking action from that state of fear and paralysis isn't the best idea. Not the best idea. So some people say, feel the fear and move forward anyway. That's one approach. My approach is understand the fear, uh, neutralize the fear, then move forward. So let's just talk about that for a minute. We look at super, super successful entrepreneurs and we say, so like, do they take risks? Do they ever feel fear? Do they ever wonder what it's going to be like to fail? 
In fact, really, really successful people are amazing at mitigating risk. So they don't just jump into a dark hole hoping things will work out. What they do is they actually envision failure. Surprise, surprise. You think that super successful people only envision success. Yes, of course they do that too. They definitely envision success. But what they do is then they envision failure and they envision recovering from failure. So they say, what would happen if this exploded on me? If this went really badly, if I failed miserably, how would I deal with it? And they spend some time envisioning the aftermath of failure, where the aftermath is rising from the dust, from the smoke, recovering from that terrible experience. And when they can envision that, when they can understand, wrap their arms around the idea that if things go badly, I have the strength, the stamina, the emotional resilience to get back up, then they move forward. So one of the things that I do with my clients when they're paralyzed, I actually take them down the road of feeling, imagining, envisioning, sitting in that state of failure. And I ask them, what's that going to look like? What's that going to feel like? Who's going to be around? What are they going to say? What's the worst, worst possible scenario? Let's look at that. Let's write that down. Let's give it a lot of color and flavor and shape. Like, what does it even sound like? And now how are you going to recover from that? And they give me the story of their recovery. And then I say, okay, so what does ideal look like from now on? Let's focus on that. What does it look like to be massively successful? So now that they got, they went through the emotional experience of failure and recovery, now we have them focusing exclusively on success. But it's really hard to focus on success when they haven't, when there's something dragging them, there's a drag, like an anchor, pulling them down into that fear of failure. So that's why I like to make them go through the experience of failure so they can let that go and then soar into success. And leaders want to have all the answers, right? They, they have a very high expectation for themselves and they think yeah, to themselves, right. well, there is no option to fail, right? So uh, the option to fail is I'm out of business and all the people that work for me are out of business. And so, you know, yeah, okay. And so if that happens, tell me what that looks like. What is, what's happening in your life? Who, what's the conversations that you're having in your life at that point? And what are you going to do next? Right. So, so as we move forward in this conversation, there's more to it that I think about. One of the things I think about is like failure is inevitable for everybody, right? We're all going to fail at some point throughout the span of our lifetime, there's gonna be an experience where we face failure, it's a given. So now the question isn't whether or not if we're going to fail, the question is really how do we respond to failure? So that's thing number one. Thing number two that I think is really important for us to look at is as you're talking about leaders, things aren't so black and white. Right. And so when leaders say, hey, like, you know, if if this happens, it's going to be disastrous. It's as though there's only one picture and one solution. And what I have found in my experience of working with some of the most extraordinary leaders in the world is when they feel that that failure is simply unacceptable. Like, I just can't I like that's not an action I can take. What it really is, is a trigger to say, okay, we haven't thought of all the options. 
We haven't solved the problem. We haven't thought broadly enough and explored enough alternatives for us to move forward comfortably. Let's take a step back and explore more alternatives, more resources, more options before we're comfortable moving forward. Yeah, and I, I've seen from many leaders uh, the idea that they, they're, they're paralyzed in the decision-making, um, not only because of uh, the fear of, of failure um, and not only because of what people may, may think of them, right? So, oh, that guy's an idiot. He can't make any right decisions, right? And they have this idea that everyone is just thinking about you in that moment. You have like a spotlight on you as a leader. Um, but the funny thing is, is like, as you sit there and as you're paralyzed by fear, the funny thing is like, everyone can sense that as well. Right. And it's almost like if I'm not as a leader, if I'm not able to recognize, uh, that, that vulnerability that I have, that I, well, I want to give people the impression that everything is fine or everything's okay. Um, but people, you know, your people can see right through that as well. And so that's why it's just that much more important to overcome that fear of failure. Right. So um, as you're talking, it made me think that a lot of times decisions are made, poor decisions, decisions that lead to failure because people feel trapped, right? They feel like they have no choice. I had no choice. I had to make this decision. And what I always want to help leaders do is to understand that they do have choice. They're not recognizing the choice. They're not recognizing the options. They feel as though they have no choice, but that feeling is, is usually not accurate. There are lots of choices that we don't even consider because we believe that we can't consider them. So it boils down to what are the beliefs you have about the choices in front of you, about the options, about the outcomes, about the possible failure, about the possible success. So at the end of the day, and this is what you and I do, is we look at how leaders think and what they believe to be true about success, about failure, about options, about choices they make, and help them understand how their beliefs lead to their behaviors and then their outcomes. So as we're talking right now and whoever's listening, if you're thinking about making a decision or if you're thinking about the options in front of you and you're still not at peace, understand that there are certain beliefs that are causing you to feel this way. And that's what's driving the discomfort and the agitation around moving forward. Frank, any last words? Um, just imagine the worst outcome and how you'd handle it. And it's a great way to get past your fears. Amazing. Anybody who's interested in learning about Frame of Mind Coaching, please come and visit us. We can be found at frameofmindcoaching.com. And on that website, there is a button for a complimentary coaching call. I encourage you to sign up for that complimentary coaching call. On that call, you'll start to understand what's really stopping you, what's really getting in your way, what's really tripping you up and holding you back. And it's a great call anyways. It'll absolutely wake you up, open your eyes to things that you haven't seen before. So again, frameofmindcoaching.com. Frank, thank you for being my co-host today. I appreciate it. And until we see you again, bye guys. Thank you, Kim. Take care. Mm -hmm.